Hello, welcome to episode 43 of Born to Thrive with Jamie Lee. I'm your host and coach, Jamie Lee. You know, I've been saying that for 40 some what episodes that I'm your coach and I really want to coach. I mean, I feel that coaching is my life's work and I love, love coaching people and helping them create a new mindset so that they can influence, lead and thrive. Um, I believe that we're all born to thrive and part of thriving is ironically embracing the fact that there is 50-50 when it comes to human emotions. There is a balance of 50-50, meaning half the time we're going to feel positive emotions and half the time we're going to feel negative emotions. And when I think about the word brave, you know, being courageous, um, feeling the fear, but doing it anyways, I think it's such a great example of embracing that 50-50 of human emotions. And so um, today I have a really special episode. I am sharing the recording of a web- webinar that I led earlier this week. It's called Bolder, Braver, and Better Paid, and how to embrace discomfort to become unstoppable as a negotiator. And I talk about um, how our brains have evolved and how neurotransmitters impact our feelings, our thoughts, and results. The root of all behavior and how to influence people from understanding the root of all behavior and how to create intentional beliefs so that you can become bolder, braver, and better paid. And in the second half, I coached someone live on the spot, which is something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, I just opened up the floor to anyone who wanted to be coached live. And uh, somebody who is a naturopathic doctor uh, volunteered to be coached live. And I helped her articulate her value to potential clients and in doing so, identify her philosophy and, and, and reconnect with her confidence and power. So without further ado, I hope you will enjoy this special episode. And I will be doing more free coaching live sessions. If you'd like to sign up, come to jamieleecoach.com backslash free dash coaching dash live jamieleecoach.com backslash free dash coaching dash live. Enjoy and talk to you next week. Oh, can you hear me? Can you? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the webinar. My name is Jamie Lee. I'm a leadership and negotiation coach. And today uh, we're going to talk about What do you need to become bolder, braver, and better paid? Uh, I just wanna make sure that um, you can hear me. If you cannot hear me, let me know. Type it right into the Q&A box that you cannot hear me. So um, I wanna share my screen with you and walk you through some content I've prepared on this this question. What do you need to become bolder, braver, and better paid? What will it take? I've been giving talks and workshops on this topic, negotiation and leadership for, oh boy, (laughs) five, six? Yeah, I think six, six years. And I've studied a lot of uh, negotiation teachers, FBI hostage negotiators, um, some master coaches. And at the end of the day, I think it really boils down to this thing, this, this one crucial thing. In order for you to become unstoppable as a negotiator, as somebody who can engage in conversations with the intention of reaching agreement, I think the most important thing is that you lose the need to be liked, to be right, to be comfortable. Think about it. If you lost the need to be liked, to be right, 
and to be comfortable. I mean, what couldn't you ask for? You could ask for the moon. You could ask for anything. You could do anything. You'll be unstoppable. And this is the insight I've gained because for so many of my clients, uh, most of whom are ambitious professional women, it's the discomfort around being judged. It's the discomfort of being told, no, you are wrong. It's the discomfort period around risking your reputation to ask for something that they want that holds them back from initiating a difficult and brave conversation. And the question I want to ask is, when you are feeling that discomfort, when you're feeling that pain of being judged or being disliked, what if nothing has gone wrong? Now, when I think about the negotiations I've been in uh, with my supervisors, with potential clients, and I think about the worst emotion that I have experienced, I think about shame. I think about like, oh man, why did I say that? You know, these people, they're judging me so harshly. And I, I experience a lot of shame and self-loathing. <laughs> and that feels like heaviness in my body. It feels like a, a weight. It feels like thick and uncomfortable. It's in the pit of my stomach and I can feel it. It's an emotion that's in my body. And what I realized is that, yeah, I can have that emotion. I can have that experience. And it could also mean that nothing has gone wrong. In fact, things are just as they should be, if not better, because I have braved the ask. Because at the end of the day, I think it's really only human for us to feel the need to be liked, to be right, and to be comfortable. It's only human for us to feel the discomfort that we feel when we brave something that we feel might be uh, unpopular or uh, judged or rejected. And that's because of how our brains are wired and how our brains work. Now, I am not a brain scientist, but I do know about a little bit about neurotransmitters, um, just from what I've heard and studied. Uh, I'm not gonna go into the, the weeds about how the brain works, but I do know that the oxytocin is a neurotransmitter that um, is sometimes called the bonding hormone. It makes us feel like we belong. It, feels, it makes us feel like we are safe within the group, right? And sometimes we um, say yes to things because we like to feel comfortable inside a particular group. It's because of this neurotransmitter, oxytocin. And in fact, because of oxytocin, it helps you to engage in uh, conversations with people after you've built a bond with them, after you have taken them out to a drink or to eat food together, right? It's because it creates this oxytocin in them. And when you have that oxytocin, you just feel like, oh, it's so comfortable. And I feel like I'm okay. I'm part of the group. I'm safe. I, I belong. I am light. Yeah. And so it's only human to feel the need to be liked and to belong because of how our brains work, because of oxytocin. And it's only human for us to feel the need to be liked 
I mean, to be right in a conversation because of the neurotransmitter serotonin, which is associated with uh, the boost that you have when you feel like you are at top of a social hierarchy. And you can feel like you are at the top of a social hierarchy when uh, you feel like people agree and people say that you are right. And that's why we so want to win arguments and, and, um, and to be proven that we are right and they are wrong. It's because of how our brains work. Again, it's only human. And it's only human for us to feel the need to be comfortable because of the neurotransmitter dopamine. Dopamine is associated with our need um, to uh, satisfy an urge, right? Like dopamine is the uh, hit we have when we feel like, oh, you know, um, if I go eat a cookie, I will get the reward and then I will feel satiated, right? Right before you feel satiated, uh, dopamine is uh, in play. And so dopamine is associated with a lot of the urges that we have to make ourselves feel comfortable, to feel at ease. And sometimes, you know, it can, for me, it can take the form of like checking my email, which I do incessantly or going on Facebook or, or, ch uh, checking my smartphone or like opening the fridge and looking for snacks. It's like, it's, it's somehow, I feel like, uh, if I go to those places, if I do those things, I'm going to feel satiated. It's, it's almost an unconscious reaction. And sometimes we have the unconscious reaction, uh, to avoid difficult conversations to accommodate other people because we feel like that's gonna make us feel safe and it's also we're going to feel comfortable and uh, like we're not risking the belonging within our group which is associated with oxytocin like I said so it's only human to feel these urges you know I talk about the itty bitty shitty committee uh, which often harps uh, and says things like, who do you think you are? Uh, don't risk that negotiation. Don't, don't, don't bother speaking up uh, because you know, you'll risk being disliked, you'll risk being proven wrong, or you'll risk your comfort, right? And I often say the ADBD Shitty Committee, uh, excuse me, the Shudi Committee, is part of our human brain. And I think it's because of these neurotransmitters or basically how our brains have evolved. Um, so the point here that I'm trying to make is that when we feel uncomfortable about negotiating, about speaking up, about you know setting up to be a leader, it's only human for us to feel that discomfort. So it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you for you to feel that discomfort. It just means that your brain is working as it should. And I think it's really instructive. It's so powerful to understand why we do anything. Because when we can understand why we do anything, we can influence how others do what they do. And that's, that's actually the goal of negotiation and leadership, isn't it? To, to influence other people's behavior. So, so let's try to understand where does behavior come from? Now, everything in our world can be categorized into one of these five buckets, right? First, there are circumstance. And circumstance is factual experience. Basically, something that we've experienced that we can prove. Like you get an email, like there's a conversation, you get, uh, I don't know, you get a package delivered. <laughs> you say something and the other side has said something back to you. I mean, it's things that you can prove, right? Circumstance, that's factual. Uh, and from there, we have thoughts about the circumstance and what we make that circumstance mean in our minds. And we can associate uh, opinion, 
judgment. And for most of us, we feel that our thoughts about our circumstances are true and they are facts, when in fact, what actually happened and what we think about it are two different things. And then what we think about the circumstance generate feelings. And our feelings are experienced, our emotions are experienced as vibration in the body. And that's why earlier on this call, I was talking about how I experience shame as something that's kind of like heavy in my body. That's it. Feelings are not what we think about the circumstance. And I think that's really interesting too, because uh, so often I ask my clients, so, you know, what do you feel? And they say, oh, I feel like I have failed. I feel like this is going nowhere, right? Those are not emotions. Those are more thoughts we have about the circumstance. And what we feel generate our actions, what we feel in our body drive our behavior. And, you know, we might think, no, what we do is just driven by our circumstance. But when we slow things down and really think about, you know, why we do anything, it's because what we think generate emotion that generate the action. So take, for example, um, uh, you know, why did we all go and vote last week? It's because, okay, so the election, that was, that was a factual experience that we can all prove happened, right? And some of us had the thought that we can make a difference. We can make a difference when we go and vote. And for me, when I have the thought, I can make a difference by going to vote in this election, the feeling that is generated in my body is motivation. I feel motivated. I feel like I gotta go and vote even though it's raining buckets and buckets outside, which was exactly what had happened last week in New York City. And so because I had the feeling of motivation, I left my house, I walked a couple of blocks to um, the voting booth and I voted. Those are my actions. And the result I had was that I voted because I felt that I can make a difference. The result was that I felt I, I um, well, I felt that I was part of something that was really important. And as a result, I had a feeling of uh, having fulfilled a civic duty because I have the thought that I can make a difference. So, you know, let's put this in the context of um, what it means for you to become bolder, braver, and better paid. And I think for most of us, um, the difficult part is braving the difficult conversation, the uncomfortable conversation. You know, as Woody Allen says, half the battle is just showing up, right? So I'm curious to know uh, from those of you who are uh, here live, what does brave feel like in your body? When you are experiencing the emotion of being brave, what is that like for you in your body? So feel free to type in your answers, your responses directly into the uh, QA box. You know, imagine that like I'm a Martian and I have no idea what human experience, experience of emotions are like. I just, it's like, it's a foreign concept to me. When you are being brave, what do you experience inside of you? Giddy, a little off kilter, kind of high. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Why do you think 
but you feel giddy. When you are being brave. The response I got, I'm doing something completely new and I can't think I just have to act. I can't think I just have to do it. It's like you're, you're trying to override something and you're just like, I gotta just do it, right? Okay, I'm doing something completely new. Override fear. Yes, yes, excellent. Thank you so much for, for that. Um, I think it's so helpful to know that we as humans get to experience 50-50 balance of emotions. I looked up yin-yang because when I think about 50-50, the balance of 50-50, it's like yin-yang. And here's this beautiful picture of, what is that? Black coffee and white milk. <laughs> um, as humans, we get to experience both positive emotions and negative emotions. And when we can embrace that half of the time, we will feel positive emotions and half the time we will experience negative emotions. I think the sooner we can embrace this balance, the 50-50 of uh, emotions, the sooner we can take proactive action. We can take ownership of our emotional lives and show up and be brave. And just as, you know, Iris shared with us, you know, when you are being brave, there is fear. And we're doing something about that fear. We're like, okay, we're going to, we, we experience the fear. It's here. We're just going to override it. We're just going to walk through that fear and still take action. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of curious. I'd love to hear from uh, one of you. You know, when was the last time you had to be brave? Or when was the last time you did something completely new? And you, were, you said, you know what? I can't get into a mental spin about this. I just have to act. I just got to do it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. For me, it's doing this webinar series. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, have, uh, I have both the emotion of feeling anxiety. Like, you know, what if I mess up? What if, you know, no one shows up? <laughs> That's a fear I have. Uh, what if I make a complete fool out of myself, right? I have, I have a lot of those uh, itty bitty shooty committee uh, thoughts, but um, I realize and I recognize those are just thoughts. They're, they're not factual, they're just thoughts in my mind. And I don't have to indulge the emotion that are born out of those thoughts because I also have different thoughts that I really want to show up and serve. Uh, the people who are my subscribers. I really want to show up and demonstrate value. And I really want to show up and deliver value to as many people as possible because I think understanding these concepts are so key and so helpful in helping us become bolder, become braver, and become better paid as a result. Yeah. So I think about um, my own experience in the past around having salary conversations. And um, I am an anxious person and I talk about that a lot. <laughs> I think I do the work that I do because I, am, I, I have been so anxious and I've seen the effect of this anxiety in my life. And I'm like, I, I am determined to to do something about it, to understand it, to deal with it, right? But in any case, um, long story short, before 
I became a negotiation coach, I experienced a lot of anxiety around these uh, salary conversations. And so when a salary discussion was scheduled with my supervisor, my employer, uh, I had the thought, the unintentional thought, okay? It's not these thoughts that I'm having on purpose, but by default, I have these thoughts that, oh my God, I am not good enough when I compare myself to my uh, direct supervisor who's like a Yale grad and you know he's uh, his favorite of the, the uh, other executives and when I compare myself to him I am not good enough it's the, it's the common refrain that I heard in my head and when I entertained that thought I would have the emotion of anxiety and when I was uh, reacting to that anxiety in my body, what I would do as a result is avoid the discussion or try to pretend like we don't need to have it because <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Or I would just accommodate, you know, whatever they said they were going to give me. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, good, that's good enough. Or I would attack or blame the other side. And often I didn't blame them to their face, I would blame them <laughs> behind their back. I would be complaining about my employer and um, I would have a lot of resentment and I would allow that resentment to grow, uh, you know, because I was avoiding and it was easier to uh, let this anxiety kind of uh, create this reaction in my body uh, and in my actions. But as a result of this uh, avoiding, accommodating, attacking uh, the 3A trap, basically, uh, nothing would have changed about my salary. Nothing would have been addressed about my performance. I would not have learned how to do my job better. Uh, and instead, I would have the result of my salary is not good enough for me. And, and this would generate more feelings of, oh goodness, I'm really not good enough. And so the result would uh, support the thought that I'm not good enough. And so, you know, when you look at this slide, thank you for complimenting the slide. Um, what does it, you know, uh, bring up for you? Does it remind you? of anything? Or do you see a similar pattern elsewhere in your life? Maybe it's not about salary discussion. Maybe it's some other sticky or difficult conversation um, where your leadership would make a difference. But, but the feeling, the discomfort, and the negative emotion uh, that, that is created when you entertain these unintentional thoughts that I would associate with your itty bitty shitty committee. What happens to you? What actions do you take? What results do you have? And I, I want to make the distinction that um, this trap, the 3A trap of avoiding conversation, accommodating and attacking or blaming people. Uh, this is not a way of dealing with the negative emotion. It's not a way to process the negative emotion. It's a way of resisting. It's a way of trying to do away with this negative emotion. You can actually process, you can deal with negative emotion by allowing the negative emotion to simply pass through your body. I know that sounds really strange, but um, well, what's a what's a good example I can give you? Um, you know, uh, the the most immediate example I can give you is that um, it's almost winter here in New York City, and for me, that generates this emotion of like 
sadness. Tell me if I'm crazy. <laughs> Tell me if I'm the only one who feels sad in the dark and colder winter months. Please tell me if I'm the only one, okay? Because I don't think I am. And, um, nope, okay, thank you. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. So, um, for many years before I became acquainted with these life coaching principles, which I'm applying to, you know, negotiation and leadership skills, I felt that the feeling I had was because there was something wrong with me. And when I allowed, you know, when I let the feeling in my body and just try to resist it, react to it, I would feel, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't be so sad. I shouldn't be so tired. Um, there is something wrong. Yeah. And then I would, I would start reacting from that place of there's something wrong. And then I would make everything wrong about me, about whatever was going on in my life. And then the, the result that I had created from that thought model, if you will, was that um, I became very depressed and uh, slow. And like, I, I created the result of like, um, more sadness <laughs> because I was feeling sad and I was having the thought that there was something wrong and I made everything wrong in my head and I started looking for how everything is wrong in my life and therefore I became more sadder and I, I wasn't taking any action. And so the new model that I'm, you know, trying out this year is, you know, again, what if, what if nothing has gone wrong? What if nothing has gone wrong? What if this is just my body reacting to the shorter days, the colder weather, and you know, I can just allow myself to feel the sadness. And what does this feel, sadness feel like? It feels like a heaviness behind my eyes, you know, like my limbs are kind of heavier than usual. Um, there's a bit of a fog in my brain. It's just, you know, um, there is a term for this. This is seasonal affective disorder, right? <laughs> what if nothing has gone wrong? What if I can just allow the feeling to be in my body and I can just continue to show up and do what I want to do? And uh, now that I am intentionally uh, entertaining the thought that nothing has gone wrong, even though I'm feeling sad, I find that I am able to show up and do the work and create the results that I want to create. So this is something that I want to intentionally practice and, um, and um, purposely move forward in my life. So having shared that example with you, what if you can do something similar for, um, nerve-wracking conversations like salary negotiation or a performance review or a job interview. Um, what if, you know, you entertain a different thought that can generate the feeling of brave? And Iris was uh, very generous to share with us that for her, the feeling of brave is, uh, is a combination of overriding fear and being proactive, right? It's like, there's, it's like a combination of feelings that kind of uh, look like this, yeah? There's fear on one side, but there's also this motivation on the other side. So what if you entertain the thought, I'm choosing, I'm intentionally choosing to grow my skill. I know that negotiation and leadership skills are are like muscles that I can grow with intentional practice. And, and if that thought creates the feeling of brave in you, would it help you to initiate difficult conversations? Would it help you to allow the fear to be in your body and do it anyways? 
because you know that more often you go to bat, <laughs> the more likely you're going to get what you want, right? As a result, you can grow your capacity to negotiate and lead. So I'm, I'm curious, when you look at this model, does the thought work for you? When you think about, you know, some uh, conversation that's coming up that, you know, you want to avoid, you, if you could, there's a part of you that's like, oh, I'd rather avoid it. And you think about that conversation from this new perspective of, hey, maybe if I take this on, I will intentionally grow my capacity. And I'm choosing to grow my capacity. Does the thought help? Let me know. Yeah, it feels expansive. Thank you. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm choosing. I'm choosing to take this on. I'm, I'm intentionally making this choice to, um, to grow my capacity for the future. Yeah. So I, I want to take a pause. Did anyone have a question for me at this point? Or would you like to be coached? We're all among friends here. Would you like to be coached about negotiation? I'd be happy to, um, I'd be happy to coach you. Um, would you be willing to come onto this webinar as a panelist? You can choose to be on camera or just, uh, be on the webinar through audio. It's up to you. Let me know. Yes, uh, that's a really good question. Um, yesterday, I coached somebody who was working on a career pivot. And, you know, she, she wanted to know how or what she can do next to improve her odds. So the question, um, yes, I mean, I can, I can coach you about a, an upcoming negotiation, uh, upcoming um, conversation. It's really open-ended. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to promote you as a panelist. And I'm going to unmute, oops, unmute. Okay, and I'm going to stop the share. Hi, Iris. Hi. All can right. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hey. I'm just gonna go grab some pen and paper. I'll be right back. Sure. How can I help you? Well, I am actually, I'm a naturopathic doctor and I am in a position, well, at two places actually, kind of at a divide. Um, I have the opportunity to work with a business coach to start my own practice. But one of the things that I would really like to do is to work with someone um, as a contractor. And I've been applying to jobs and it hasn't really, has, they haven't really opened up. But 
what I wanted help with or coaching about is, is um, how to present myself and to uh, yeah, present the value that I can offer um, a clinic or a private practice when they're not hiring. And to me, it feels kind of like a negotiation <laughs> that yeah. I'm trying to talk to them and, and get them to think about me in a positive way and to consider the package that I want to offer them in my, offering my services. And I guess I... Um, okay, so let me ask you this. <laughs> Since, you know, we've been talking a lot about the balance of emotions today, mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, in, an, in a fantasy world, yes, how would you like to feel when you are presenting your services? Grounded. Mm -hmm. um, I want to feel light and responsive in that I can answer their questions. I can think on my feet about maybe hesitancies or potential issues they may find with what I'm offering. Um, okay. or Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. So grounded, light, responsive. Mm -hmm. These are great words. Okay. Pick one. Which would you want to go with if you had just had to pick one? Um, probably light. Yeah. Okay. Light. Good word. So ex explain to me what the experience of feeling light is like in your body. I'm not so much in my head um, thinking about everything. I'm very intuitive in the moment. I'm authentic, um, just sharing who I am, what I believe. When I'm light, I'm not, I'm not afraid. And I feel very sure of myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm not... And I'm willing to, like, if they say no, when I feel light, I don't, I don't hold on to that. Like, it really just kind of passes through and it moves on, just, you know, I, I just let it go. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like, you know, in my earlier slides, I said, in order for you to become unstoppable, you'll lose the need to be liked, right, or comfortable. And it's, yes. it's almost, you're, it's like that. Yes. You don't yes. have the need, so you're, you're light. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. So, um, when you're feeling light, what I heard is that you won't be afraid uh, to speak about your values, uh, the value you bring. You'll be sure of yourself. You won't hold on to no's. Um, you, you know, you won't take it personally. In other words, yes. Yeah. So, imagine that you're feeling this lightness in your body. Okay. What would you say about the quality of your services? I would say that I'm feeling light, okay. That I'm a passionate, yeah, uh, educated doctor, and that I have done the work and I'm willing to do the work to help people get better. And I feel confident in the things that I've learned, uh, despite not having years and years of experience. I think, I believe that I've learned how to listen and how to get the story from a, from a patient and understand what they really want to feel better, what they really need, not just as far as their disease, but how they want their life to change, which is really the thing that I'm looking to help them with is to get beyond thinking of themselves as a diagnosis and more towards thinking of how they want their life to be better, how they want to experience wellness, what does that look like? And I feel that when patients are in that space, they're more likely to be successful. And I feel confident that I can 
help people stay in that space. Not that everything will always be perfect. There will be ups and downs as we're working together, but I do understand both how to work with a patient emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and also as a doctor in the science and, and you know, sort of the, yeah, the science and bookish kind of way. And I merge those together and use that to help people move forward in their life and to get, to feel healthier and to actually be healthier. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> What was that like for you? That felt very easy. <laughs> I mean, well, it felt easier than when I'm sitting down and trying to write out, <laughs> yeah. write everything out. It, it feels very stiff on the paper. Mm -hmm. And I just cannot capture those words. I don't flow very well when I'm writing it out. And that's probably why I'm stuck at, <laughs> at the beginning still. Mm -hmm. So here's what I heard from you. What I heard from you is that you bring both the science but and the art of helping people really um, improve their lives. Yes, that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I like doing the most, less of the science, but thinking, yes, about them in that way. And, and what I wrote down that really struck me was you, you help them see themselves beyond their diagnosis and feel like they're moving towards the life they want to live. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> okay, that's a good capture. <laughs> I, didn't, and, I was just talking about. Yeah, from the perspective you know, since we are talking about how you will uh, be presenting yourself to these potential uh, clients, right? Mm -hmm. From the client's perspective, what do you think are the top three qualities they most care about? Um, probably getting results with their patients. Mm -hmm. Um, it being a good match with their philosophy mm -hmm. and, um, and being dependable. You know, if I'm contracting, I show up when I say I'm going to show up. I can, I'm a good employee, you know, not employee, but just a good professional to work with. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your philosophy. Okay, hold on. Let me just plug up my my battery's about to die. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So I guess it goes back to the idea that that people are more than a disease. And I, I do think about, about the science and supplements and that, and uh, look at the physiology and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, my philosophy is that, uh, that people get better more by a therapeutic relationship and someone believing in them and supporting them than just giving them um, medications and uh, yeah, people are more than their di diagnosis. Uh, yes, <laughs> right. Diagnosis, yeah, diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Okay, beyond diagnosis, does that fit? Yes. Yeah. Why? Why are they beyond their diagnosis, or why do I believe why? that? Yeah. Um, I think from personal experience, I recognize how my life has has affected my health. And when I used to kind of just look at it from, oh, I have these health conditions um, and I'm just going to deal with that and, and ignore my dreams and desires and 
the things that I struggle with or things that happened in my past, I didn't get great results. And, I, and I've seen that when I'm working with patients um, and I just focus on that. They don't, they do get better, but they can't really reach resolution because if they're not really willing to think about themselves as more than a diagnosis and think about how uh, their lifestyle, their background, their history has impacted where they are now. Um, and when I have followed doctors who just kind of think that way, it's, um, to me, it's not even fun. I, I don't really want to show up to work and just, you know, look at lab reports. I, I want to get to know people and talk to them and, and learn who they are. And I feel like people respond better. Um, to me, they respond better. They're, they're more willing to share information. And, and it makes it easier, actually, for them to take my advice and actually and to implement it. Um, because it's, they, they realize I care about them. Yeah, I, I'm just going to pause you right there. And for the rest of you who are listening to this webinar, um, did you notice the shift in Iris's voice? When you started answering the why question, there was something different about how you talked about your own experience and how this was such a transformative experience for you. Like, it felt to me like solid. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel that? Yes, I do feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I'm taking away from you is that when you consider people as human beings beyond their diagnosis, it is more effective. It is right. more effective and it creates results. Right. And it's something that you know firsthand. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I just want to take a pause right here. I, I know we sort of been uh, talking about a lot of things. Well, what's here for you now when you think about what you've just shared with me? Can you ask that again? It, uh, my internet went out for a second. What's here for you now? What do you experience in your body oh. now? Um, I feel happy. I feel hopeful mm -hmm. about this process. Uh, I feel more confident and I haven't even really, I mean, I've, I'm just talking off the top of my head, but the questions you've asked make me feel more confident because I understand I understand my philosophy. I understand myself a little bit better, and um, I think that's what I was, what I wanted to do when I put it on paper was to um, get, you no, know, present myself in a really positive way. But as we're talking, I already feel that way. <laughs> I haven't written anything down or looked at my resume or anything like that, and it feels, it feels solid. It, it has that sense of grounding that I wanted to feel when I'm in an interview and that's that's what I feel now. <laughs> grounded, grounded, beautiful. So from this grounded place, what does it make you want to do? I feel motivated to to continue with the process. I don't I don't feel hesitant anymore that maybe I don't have enough or my packaging may not be um, may not be good enough. And I also am aware of my philosophy, which I never thought to really include. So mm -hmm. it helped. I feel like I have more direction because when I'm looking for, before I wasn't really looking so much for philosophy, I was thinking about, oh, they're doctors and they're practicing this type of medicine that's similar to what I want to work with, the type of patients. But now when I think about philosophy, I realize how important it is to me and that I should include that in who I reach out to. So it helps me define my criteria. And I think that will make it easier for me to know who to work with because they, I'll, I'll recognize when they align, when we align, our philosophies align, it will probably work out a yeah. lot better. So I'm just gonna take a stab at summarizing 
uh, mm -hmm. some of the key talking points that you mentioned is that you are a dependable professional who whose you know philosophy is in treating people to be beyond human as human beings beyond their diagnosis because you know that this is effective and you know that this creates results and you know this from your own first-hand experience what did i miss nothing <laughs> so what does that make you think about yourself well i definitely feel more secure um yeah. and i see myself i see myself as um i'm not struggling with whether i offer value or not and say that again I, I'm not struggling with whether or not whether or not I offer enough value for someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels very concise, and it it works. <laughs> so when you are feeling grounded and taking the actions, you know, continuing with the process, what will you be thinking in your mind? I I'll be, I I'll th I'll think that this is possible. This is um, possible. This yes. is possible. That what I want is possible because, because I have something to offer and I can... It, I have you know, something to offer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you have something of value right. to offer. I have something... Is that okay for me to uh, tweak your sentence? I have something of value to offer. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how can you practice this thought intentionally? Hmm. On purpose. How can I practice that? Um, that's a really good question. Do you mean in everyday life or just in this situation as far as going forward? Uh, with this business idea or contracting idea? I mean, you know, for this business contract, this idea of, you know, negotiating okay. with potential clients, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll share with you some of the ways I practice intentional thoughts um, is, I mean, I write them down, I say it out loud, <laughs> I, I write it down on a post-it note and I, and I make sure it's somewhere I can see it every day. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why I'm sharing that with you is because, you know, unless we practice these intentional thoughts on purpose, we mm -hmm. hear the default thoughts. Okay. You know, I don't have anything to, of value to offer. Maybe this is impossible. Okay. I'm writing this down. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I just want to make a suggestion when you feel when you have the thought that oh maybe this is too hard maybe this is not possible would you remind yourself mm -hmm. that I have something of value to offer absolutely yeah I mean I write I, yeah I would do that <laughs> yeah and does that thought help create the feeling of groundedness of lightness that you talked about it does in this experience also um i would i would go back to this the memory of this coaching experience and how what i went through and i think that would help me also shift my emotions because i i want to continue feeling what i feel now and yeah what, so yeah it's it, allowing the fear right it's there because of how our brains are wired. You probably know this better than I do because you actually are somebody who studies medicine. <laughs> um, and what can you imagine would be the result you create because you continue to take action, you continue with this process, you continue to share your experience and your philosophy and you don't hold on to the notes when you hear them. Well, definitely, I um, I believe I'll be able to create a position that I that I dream of. You know, the right hours, the right pay, 
uh, working with the type of patients and uh, creating a collaboration that I really desire. I think that's possible. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. You can create it. Do you mm -hmm. need anything else from me today to be complete with this conversation? Actually, no. I, I think the only thing I, I would like to do is just to email you and get the, um, the summary that you created about me because uh, well, I, you know, I, this call is recorded and you will get oh, the recording. Okay, well then that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I feel, yeah, that this is really complete and it's given me, it's really the motivation that I needed and it was the thoughts that were holding me back and I feel um, that I've gotten over that or I've moved through that and I can, you know, do the work, the actual work now. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Iris. Thank you. All right. So uh, I want to wrap this up by sharing with you. Um, first of all, thank you so much, Iris. Thank you, everyone who attended this webinar live. I know, you know it's uh, middle of a busy, very busy season. So I appreciate your time and attention and your questions, your participation. Thank you so much. Um, if you have any other questions, feel free to email me. I just want to remind everyone before we wrap up that everyone is invited to join my mastermind. I just have room for three more people. No, actually two more people. And um, the mastermind is uh, something that I'm doing for the first time. So I am, you know, experiencing the balance of my emotions, the fear and the anxiety of doing something completely new. But I really believe in helping um, ambitious women professionals become bolder, braver, and better paid. And the intention behind the small group mastermind is to help you uncover your compelling vision that will inform your wildly improbable goals. I think it's the wild and improbable goals that really help us stretch and continue to take action and grow our capacity uh, to negotiate, to lead, to thrive. And I want to help people uh, create a new set of empowering beliefs that will fuel you to brave discomfort as we discussed today, so that you can take massive action and realize your goals. And as part of this process, uh, we're going to have uh, group coaching calls and dig into how to grow our skills in self-advocacy, boundary setting, mutual win negotiation. And uh, you will have the opportunity to have both private and group coaching in the month of January. So it's for women or anyone who identifies or has identified as a woman in the LGBTQA spectrum. You wanna grow your skills and your capacity and you want to develop yourself so you can impact positive change. I've found that everyone that I coach, almost without fail, this is what they share. We all want to impact positive change. And how and when, there's going to be one private 45-minute coaching call with me uh, in the next month. And uh, the objective of this call, call would be to help uncover your compelling vision and wild and in probable goals. And then there'll be four one hour long weekly group coaching calls, not unlike this one, but you know, we'll, we'll actually have uh, people interact. Um, so it's not going to be like one to many as I am right now, but it'll be uh, a group interaction. And so there's going to be accountability. Um, you know, there's going to be people that you will get to connect with. And I have some amazing women who are uh, signed on right now. We have people who are leading experts, professionals in digital marketing, software development, product management, and who else? And healthcare, actually. I have another professional in um, uh, technology expert in healthcare, and they're all amazing women. And, you know, there's going to be one more private 45-minute coaching call in February and or March to help support your ongoing development. And what's not listed here, but what I do plan on uh, adding is monthly check-ins. Are you, 
Are you making pro progress <laughs> toward your wild and improbable goals of 2019? So this is going to be at a fraction of the cost of uh, coaching with me one-on-one. -on -one. The retail value of you know, five and a half hours of coaching with me is about 2000 but if you join before December 3rd, it's just gonna cost you three monthly payments of 175. What is that, like 525? It's really cheap. Big, big cost savings. So if you're interested, email me direct or um, come to my site, jamieleecoach.com backslash apply and Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Iris. Uh, thank you, everyone else, for sticking with it. I will be back next Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm going to try a different time and see if that works uh, for other group of people in the other uh, area of United States, other time zones. So I'll be back doing these free live coaching calls Tuesday, Wednesday of next week at noon Eastern Standard Time. Thank you and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Bye.